Guys are grown. Let's go ahead and get in. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest, and you guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room. Will we keep it real? We keep it opinionated. We keep it what, everybody? 2016. I said everybody like it's a bunch of people. Yeah, it's, a bunch. <laughs> it's us. It's us. I know we usually have people in here with us, uh-huh. but it's one of those rare occasions where it's just the two of us. And Actually, we needed to do this. I feel, yes. I feel that. like we have to have an intimate moment with ourselves <laughs> exactly. so we can just chop it up exactly. and talk, talk, talk. So y'all know how we do it on the Rant Room. On this show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture, but our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, and shit like that. God, I'm still emotional from my talker. Look, look, look. <laughs> so we talked, Hilliard and I. Okay, let me tell Damn. y'all something. So Hilliard is in the middle of, of writing a script, um, doing a rewrite, like pretty much a page one it's rewrite. Page one. Went, basically. <laughs> and um, spent the summer doing research, watching like, you know, DVDs, documentaries, all kinds of stuff. And reading, reading <laughs> exactly. you know, and going through some <laughs> historical stuff. He's writing a script about Tulsa and uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and some stuff that went down historically. And um, so he sent me the first 50 pages and stuff. And a couple of weeks ago, and I let me tell you, I read that script. This weekend. This weekend. What's it past this past weekend? Mm-hmm. No, it was last weekend. Well, no, it was this weekend. No, it was... I turned that in on Thursday. No, no, but the couple of weeks ago before oh, I went yeah, to that. I sent you the first. 43 pages, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So <laughs> pretty much if I rounded up, it's like 50 pages. Yeah, yeah. And um, well, I was at the Indigenous NerdCon two weeks ago. And I got home, got off the plane, and I, I read the first, and you sent a second one to me besides some slight changes. Mm-hmm. And so I read it. And when I was sitting at home reading that script, y'all, I got so excited. Like, I was like, almost started crying. Because when you read a script that's so good you know and it's not even a script that somebody you know who wrote it but just a good script in general it didn't even matter that Hillier wrote it it was the fact that it was so fucking good like I could see the characters and I was like I want to see this as a TV show this shit is so good like this is the type of shit that you want to read and this is the stuff you aspire to like I was like stealing shit like I was <laughs> highlighting stuff and like I'm gonna steal this line right here so it's so good Hillier I can't Thank even you. tell you how good that fucking script is well it's so funny because I, I came in today I was telling Lisa, you know, I had to turn in the first 50 pages to mm-hmm. the director. He was a very big director. And um, and he was raving about the scripts. I was telling Lisa, and she's like, well, of course it was. And blah, blah, blah. I was like, I know, you know? I, almost got, I almost got indignant. Like, but here's the I was thing. like, bitch, I just told you that script was good. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate <laughs> that. But, but for me, and this is something, you know, the audience knows or doesn't know, is for me, Lisa is one of my mentors. So, for... Ciao. See? <laughs> It's going to be one of them episodes today. <laughs> yeah, so for me, it was just as important for you to like it. Mm-hmm. Fuck that. Oh, that's don't make me like. cry. Don't make <laughs> me cry. <laughs> we just going to go in. But that's real. So it was really important for me to yeah. have you be like, oh, my God. I've, you and I, we've read thousands of scripts. So I know how it is when you finally come across something you really like. Yes. Like you know the I mean? characters <clears throat> are so rich. 
And, you know, just from the research you were doing and I was watching documentaries and stuff and, you know, I was reading over your notes and stuff, mm-hmm. just basically just talking about history. And, you know, we would just talk and, you know, hit notes and just talk to each other about history. And, you know, my little hand in it was just basically like, look, you make it as black as fuck <laughs> as you can. I'm serious. And when I say that, when I say as black as fuck, because when you're dealing with a historical uh, period piece, uh, for the story of Tulsa, Oklahoma, one of the things, especially when you're dealing with historical uh, pieces that deal with black American history mm-hmm. in this country, a lot of times you get to movies where either it's like Mississippi Burning mm-hmm. or those type of films where the narrative is <laughs> Which really... Which I watched while working yeah, yeah, on yeah. this. <laughs> no, no, you get the whole mm-hmm. white savior narrative where the fish out of water experience is the white person coming into the black situation Correct. and they help lead it. Mm-hmm. Um, or you have black characters where they're kind of like not... They don't have the agency for their own historical story. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I told Hilliard is like, look, if I'm going to read some scripts from you from this or look at any notes or anything that you're writing on this, I'm just going to be straight up with you. Like, we need blackness more than ever. Mm-hmm. And this script has to come from a place where you get to see black people being regular black people, but you also get to see them being no punks. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times what people don't realize is that black people did fight back. They did arm themselves. They right. did do things. I mean, if you look at the history of um, the civil rights movement, even before then, like I come from people who come from like Mississippi and New Orleans, mm-hmm. and they come from places where they own their own land and they had guns. There's a book called Correct. Negroes with Guns. <laughs> and a lot of them were Christians. <laughs> who understood the Constitution and their property, and they had guns, and they protected themselves. And a lot of times when we see the historical black stories, we always see the black people, you know, hovering, running for cover as Mm -hmm. if we didn't fight back. I mean, yeah, there were those of us who ran who were scared because everybody's reaction to, like, trauma, you know, it varies. But it wasn't like we sat there and turned the other cheek all the fucking time. Mm -hmm. And so in this script... And um, unless I'm so glad the director gave you those notes because I'm like, yeah, bitch, I know that shit was good because you don't we don't get to see characters like this mm-hmm. and we don't get them to see them be flawed. Mm-hmm. We don't get to see them have their own agency and be like the creators of their own history. And it's such because it's based on a true story. Um, you know, there's some creative licenses that you have to go yeah, it's through. Inspired it's inspired by, by <laughs> you know, but the st- shit is real. What happens yeah, in it is real. Yeah. But it's it's such I don't know. It's such a rewarding script, and it's the type of script that I wish that when we we do start teaching, um, go back to like teaching like seminars and doing people mm-hmm. like to show the people the first five pages of the script mm-hmm. because it's so fucking compared to what I read in the first one mm-hmm. and from what you've done in terms of like cutting cutting shit out that don't need to be there and making mm-hmm. it lean and mean and black as fuck mm-hmm. congratulations mm-hmm. and when this movie comes out all I ask like I asked you <laughs> ten, ten, ten minutes ago can I be in the church scene can I be Sister Pruitt in the background <laughs> who sees who sit waving the fan and humming and looking back with mm-hmm. Miles when your character Miles comes in late man mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I can play on those old ancestors that I know who hummed because you know some of us they hummed mm-hmm. us into this this century right now because they had to they may not be able to say shit but they was like mm-hmm. can't you play the Choctaw you- grandma <laughs> <laughs> I probably could play my own ancestor like yeah, what yeah. no it's, 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 it's an excellent script and I'm so glad that um, this director recognizes that and um, well here's the cool thing I don't know if I could talk about this or not but he gave me another job. You know what, bitch? Yeah, as soon as I finish, throw the Snickers at right you. Shut the, up! <laughs> I start right on the next job. And, and, and you know what? So, yeah. And guess what, fam? That's what good writing does. Mm-hmm. When you get something that's popping, 
smart people will be like, let me grab these, this person up from the next thing. So congratulations Thank to you, you on that. Cause Thank I know you. it was, it was stressful. You were doing the other TV show stuff and it was like, all these writing assignments were coming on top and it was just like back to back to back mm-hmm. to back. And it was like, it's coming together. And those, those fucking pages, man, I got to call Pilar. But you said, you said, <laughs> yeah, we definitely, you, you said something earlier about like, the stress I was going through working on a TV show. Right. Like I'm using Can you explain right. that? Yeah, because one of the things that people didn't realize while he was doing all this research on the deadline, because um, you know when checks are cashed and money contracts are signed, <laughs> your ass is like on it. And, on it. and what it was from coming here doing the podcast and him working on, not only that, he was doing the documentary, mm-hmm. you know, doing still this doing TV show, still document. <laughs> he was doing like three different, actually four because you still have the, the zombie project. Yeah. So he had like four projects running the TV show all at the same time, and I could see the stress levels in it, but the thing that you said was sometimes um, when you were talking about how right now you had the outline, mm-hmm. and now it's kind of like you, you, the characters are kind of coming to you now where it's kind of like you're working off outline a little bit, mm-hmm. and I said, <laughs> a, lot. a lot, and I said it's because now your mind is so focused now that sometimes stress mm-hmm. makes your, your decision, your creative decisions, That's it. That's it. Yeah. it makes those creative yeah. decisions razor sharp where you don't have, you don't have the luxury of you know, a whole bunch of other choices. Like shit just comes down to the clarity of this is how this scene is going to work. Mm-hmm. And that's that creative into the zone thing. And, and that happens a lot when people are under stress. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, when I, I'm writing some projects, some of my best writing, and whether it's screenplays or short stories, is when that pressure is on, mm-hmm. I'm being ground down into a diamond, mm-hmm. and I don't have time. To, it, it just it just becomes clear, like what this needs to happen. Mm-hmm. And I think you, you tapped into that. You just hunker down, right? Just yeah, kinda... you hunker down, and I think you just tapped into that. Mm-hmm. And also, I'm going to be honest with you, and I told you this earlier, I mm-hmm. think the answers are speaking through you. Mm-hmm. Because of what's going on right now, and the story I think is so important, and um, and I talked about how it's echoing back to a lot of the things that are happening now in the U.S., mm-hmm. and how a lot of the events in Tulsa, those of you who saw the movie Rosewood back in the day, mm-hmm. those things are echoing back and we're seeing it being repeated right now as sure. we speak. And that's why I think it's, it's, I think that's why that kind of little bit off going off the outline, those characters are locking into you now. And they're like, bitch, hold up. We're going to tell you what the story is about. Yeah, it's, and it's you're channeling weird. that. Yeah. It's weird. I mean, I appreciate that we're talking about this because, you know, I mean, <clears throat> I'm dealing with the writer right now that I was supposed to be producing this movie in, in the end of January. And we were talking about, um, about her script, and I, I almost felt like it needed a page one rewrite, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> to be honest, and and so so I was giving her notes the other day, and we were we were talking about it, and I was almost telling her I was like, we need to go back to the outline, we need to go back to the beginning, right? You need to go back to writing the story out on a page for two pages or something, you right. know what I mean? You need to go back to the basics of what is this story. <clears throat> right now, it's a whole bunch of things. It's right. not that one thing you think it is. It's right. in your head, and. Um, it reminded me of, because I was thinking to myself just the other day when I was writing my script, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so off of my outline. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I think when you understand, I'm not saying I'm the fucking, you know, Shane Black of freaking writing scripts or nothing, but I understand the command of a story. When you understand that, you can play with things right. differently. Right. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to end my act breaks the way you do. Mm-hmm. I know where it needs to end. I just need to do a certain thing right. with it. You know right. what I mean? Right. So where I'm going with that is um, um, 
I find myself veering off of the outline, but it's not a negative. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Now, I wouldn't encourage people to do that. Mm-hmm. But if you understand story and character and structure and stuff, you can you have more room. And if you have a you know? if you have a decent outline too, that a decent outline should allow you to play with with new stuff. Correct. You know, yeah. I think a lot of times, especially some people do. I've seen some really extreme outlines out mm-hmm. there where it's like every single thing. Um, every note, everything is buttoned down. It's like it's kind of like the old Alfred Hitchcock, you know, when he would do like his storyboards. Mm-hmm. Like if you look at Alfred Hitchcock's storyboards, pretty much anybody can take the storyboard and go ahead and fit because he was so yeah, meticulous. They can direct it. They can direct it because <laughs> he was so meticulous mm-hmm. in doing that. And it was like when I would read these stories and interviews with him, like that's how meticulous he was. Mm-hmm. It was like down to the every single thing. And literally they can give to somebody and they can actually film it. It still wouldn't be an Alfred Hitchcock film because Correct. he still had to put a stink on it. But you can pretty much know exactly every beat that's going to hit. Mm-hmm. But I think when you have a, a really decent outline, I think you should be able to play and be able to veer off a little bit and then come back if you need to. And I mean, remember, an outline is just an outline mm-hmm. <laughs> to help you with the story. And sometimes the story and the characters start to come alive and you just follow with it. And sometimes you may end up with some scenes that, you know, because I know one of the out- part of the outline parts when I read it, like you mm-hmm. added some whole new scene that was so good. Mm-hmm. That wasn't the original outline, but it was so good. <laughs> And the characters are like already in my head. I was like, okay, I want to see so-and-so play this character. Mm-hmm. I, and, and that's when you know a, a script is fucking good is when you're already trying to cast. When you're Correct. trying to fan cast Correct. already. Correct. Like the, within the f- six pages in, Here's I'm like, the funny thing. Here's how I want to cast this person. We saw the same person. <laughs> that's what's funny, isn't it? That's scary. We saw the exact same person in that role. I know. There was a yes. character called Leon. It's like, and I, I mentioned an actor's name. It's like, that's who I was thinking of. I was like, <laughs> I saw it. I saw it. Correct. Because that's what you see. But mm-hmm. I'm excited. And I, I'm, I'm hoping it comes together this is one of those movies that you know I love historical dramas mm-hmm. and you know I always get nervous when we do black historical stuff right. or anything that's and almost that's close why to I was slavery. so worried about this particular Woo! story with you no no no, no. I mean, I mean I, I know I'm hard on slave mm-hmm. narratives my thing and here I have to rectify because me and, and me and Jeff go in on about this all the time it's not so much that we hate slave narratives is that we hate the slave narrative or the old-timey narratives where black people kind of just roll over mm-hmm. like you need to see us how we were when we were fighting back we were doing stuff and we had a life we weren't just these us poor negroes mm-hmm. we had interior lives we had joy even in the midst of things right. and i think i think what happens is i, I don't want to say it's because non-black writers but i'll just say this sometimes non-black writers when they're writing quote-unquote black stuff mm-hmm. they miss the richness of we still had fun correct we were, yeah, we were that getting was lynched. something we talked about. We, we were getting that was lynched. Something we yeah. About, yes. we, yeah, we were getting lynched back in the day. We was getting raped back in the day. We life was just it was fucked up, mm-hmm. basically. But in the midst of that, that fucked up the ness. <laughs> Hold on, that's a Marin fucked up the ness. Um we created some of the best music. Mm-hmm. We created food that sustained us. We created dances that held us together. We mm-hmm. created spirituals. Like when you go back and read those old spirituals from like the slave days and civil rights, they was like freestyling mm-hmm. and whatever was going on. And it's like when we when you hear those songs, that's why sometimes when you hear those old spirituals and they, they make your skin just kind of pop mm-hmm. out in goosebumps mm-hmm. because you know that shit was real, mm-hmm. but they knew there was going to be a better way and a better time. And they were trying to trying to just kind of put that little net out in the future I mean, and say, we're going to be all right. If you even think about as simple a song as, you know, that's the sound of the men working on the chain Yes. Yeah. Huh. 
Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, that's you know, because working. Know. Okay, they, they was, was working on like, the beach, quit, look, look, they was like working 19 hours. They, they probably won't get fed. And they was like, we're going to make, you know what, this shit's hard, but we're going to make a beat out of it. Mm-hmm. And we're going to keep it going. When you listen to those old, like the old railroad, those, those mm-hmm. chain gangs from the prisons and stuff. And just, you know, there was joy. And we need to see that in the midst of the craziness. And, and like I said, it echoes back to a lot of what's going on right now. There were places that were safe. Right. That was the thing that it kept ringing in my head. I'm like, that's. Greenwood Street right. was a safety safe. for them. Right, they could do whatever they wanted on that our particular own little space. Space, yes. That's why I made that the black deputy come in and say, "Your rules don't apply right here." Right, you feel me? Right. I needed to state that because I wanted to be like, "Wait a minute." He would come from mm. Harlem with different rules. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. So he would be making new rules. Right. You feel me? Right, so right. So that's what I'm trying to establish right. with that. Especially when they're sitting there looking at this character, this black character who comes from a different space, who comes mm-hmm. in and is talking to white people like they's like talking to them. You know, mm-hmm. they're not reckless eyeballing and all that stuff. And the other black people who are not accustomed to that are looking at him like, who's this Superman mm-hmm. coming up in here? Mm-hmm. Those are those nuances that I think people miss out because they think that blackness in America is a monolithic thing and it's different for different people in different parts of the country. Mm-hmm. But um it's it's a wonderful script, and um, I'm a little jealous, I'm going to say, because uh, I have to steal some of those good lines in there. And I kept thinking, oh, the fine men you can cast. <laughs> oh, goodness look, gracious. It's a perfect script where you can hire you know a couple names in some of the big roles, mm-hmm. but all those other supporting roles, you can hire people on the, on the cusp about to come up. And that's and those are the best like ones. But like and like I said, you're you're adding a lot of great women roles in the mm-hmm. script, um, which was missing from the original yeah, script. Yeah, and and I love the fact that when they said we could put some native. I had to say you could put some native people, put some black native people in there. Of course, I had to put my own people in there. <laughs> Shout out to the Choctaw Nation in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. That's right. He's <laughs> like, we're gonna make them this. I'm like, they ain't gotta be Chickasaw. You could make mm-hmm. them Choctaw. No, no <laughs> offense to my cousins, the Chickasaw, because we come from the same southeast area. But uh, could you make them blah blah blah? And it's like, all right, there it is in the script. So that's awesome. So speaking of scripts, mm-hmm. Let's get I in. know you and the guys that when I was away at the different cons I was at, you guys taped an episode where you were answering some script questions. <laughs> we answered about three. Three? <laughs> <laughs> we'll probably get through about two. I know how it is. You get excited and you start talking about stuff. So we're going to try to go through some more. And so let's just say that this is a dialogue between you and I. Okay. And the first mm-hmm. question I'm going to ask you. No random order. No, no random, random order. order? Okay. I'm going to... Yeah. Um, what is the most important aspect of building a great character? Mm. And since we're talking about that, can we talk about, mm-hmm. we don't want to give too much away for your script, yeah. but I really want to talk about your character of Miles okay. in Tulsa, because this is a character who's a, a pivotal character um, in, the, in the, in he's kind of like the catalyst that creates things that, that gets things happening. Correct. And he's based off a real guy, but this is going to be inspired by the script that you're writing is inspired by events that happen in Tulsa. Well, Oklahoma. he's a combination of, the real person, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, um, as you remember from the original, because you read the original right. script too. Right. <clears throat> In the original script, it was a different character. Right. And then Miles was just the brother to this person, very right. random character. And I was like, wait a minute, this needs to be more personal. Right. It needs to be connected so yeah. that we, we can care about this character. Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. So I think, what was the question again? Just remember? It basically is like, what is the most important aspect of building a great character? Um, and I think I was just talking about making them personal. Mm-hmm. So for instance, if this makes any sense, one of the problems in the original script was that when 
the drama happens and the, the fighting and killing happens in the original script, random people get killed. And you don't care about them. Correct. You're not invested <clears throat> in them. Correct. So in my script, I've simplified the characters, combined characters, or introduced characters who were needed right. to be killed later on so that you're like, no, they killed that person. Can you person? imagine that character who just popped up in your you mind? Know? Oh, I get to be in a Hilliard exactly. script. Oh, I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> so that's the first thing that I think, and this just in talking about this particular mm-hmm. script, is I was like, well, who's the most important person who you're going to love? Right. Who's going to have to go? Right. 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 So I don't have to, why am well, I no, keep forgetting but No, no, because the thing about it is this, because like I said, in certain scripts, you have characters who are like the good, like, and I'll say this, mm-hmm. when we have historical dramas, especially when you have a black character who's the catalyst for these awful things to start happening, they always tend to make the characters, the goody two shoes, the perfect character. Correct. What I love about your character, Miles, mm-hmm. is he's kind of like, he's a bad boy. He's a bad, he's kind of mm-hmm. like, not necessarily I don't know. If, I've got to find a different word from anti-hero, but he's not perfect. Yes. He's a normal black young dude, mm-hmm. you know. Who's he's caught living, up. He's living his life. Mm-hmm. He likes to go, hey, he likes to taste a little bit. Mm-hmm. He likes to get a little tight. Yeah. Every now and then. If it he was likes, 2016, he'd be he, a okay, homeboy okay, on the street. Okay, He you likes the I mean? ladies. Correct. You know, he's got a job. He's got his family. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he likes to party and he hangs around with a shady crowd mm-hmm. because it's fun. He's on mm-hmm. the gambling halls. And what I love about that is, is, is it makes him a rich character mm-hmm. not only is he a rich character but i care about him mm-hmm. even though he's like your cousin but mm-hmm. you know your cousin he's cool as hell mm-hmm. but you know when sometimes shit goes down sometimes in the back of your mind you question <laughs> well did he do it or not i'm not sure you know what i mean it's exactly like, and that's, I love him, and but, that's a really good point yeah is like you said he's a catalyst to what happens in the movie mm-hmm. but what made even more sense to me talking about the character and i went if i just made him a regular good guy character who's a catalyst nobody's going to believe he did this right but if we set it up that he's like kind of a womanizing booze drinking whatever which it looks people like, like he might have that's, done this that's normal dude stuff who you like, feel me? yeah like even during that time period mm-hmm. we're talking about the 20s like they we look if you go look at black people in the 20s whether they from new york or down south or in the midwest mm-hmm. we dressed we like to look good. Mm-hmm. We like to go out and party. We work hard all day. Everybody want, was in a suit. You know, okay. Mm-hmm. Even, even though Prohibition was about on its way about to go down, we still like to taste a little bit. We still mm-hmm. like to dance at the dance halls. We play pool. Mm-hmm. We we lived. You know, we right. weren't just always in the church and, oh, Massa going to mm-hmm. come down and come. No, we was living our lives mm-hmm. and then shit just happens. Yeah. And I think what makes Miles a really rich character is that anybody else who's watching him when it, when it, when it becomes a movie and we're watching it is you can relate to him. Mm-hmm. You know somebody like him. He might even be you, mm-hmm. you know, and you get to see, well, how does he do with this situation? And I, and I think a lot of your characters in there are, are rich in that way. And it's rich. With little things, it's not like subtle. Do, it's subtle. subtle things. Subtle. Like one of your characters we have is the um, oh god, what's his name? The uncle, who the people. Oh, Big are, Joe. Yeah, Big yeah. Joe, and Big Joe is like an army vet, mm-hmm. and one of the sweet, the, the funniest things he has is he, he's an army vet, and he's like proud of being, you know, serving his country. And when he puts on his suit to go to church, his suit don't fit like mm-hmm. it used to. <laughs> that was your idea. <laughs> that shit was brilliant. That shit was brilliant. That shit was brilliant. But that gave me a character trait for him. Right. You know? When 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 you created it, I right. was like, mm. It's a black man who's proud. Like, you got to remember, even though personally I'm against war of any kind, but mm-hmm. you got to remember, black people, We even in the midst of racism and all the messed up, fucked upness that we go through. It was an honor to be in the war back we then. Felt, yeah, we felt like we were contributing to this mm-hmm. country. And I've met, like, I know men for World War, you know, my stepdad, my dad, these are men who were, like, the Vietnam War. They've been through mm-hmm. the Korean War. 
Like, they served their time, and no matter how fucked up America treated them, they still felt like they had contributed to their country. Mm-hmm. It was their country. And a lot of those black men, if you look at the history in the 20s and 30s when they were being lynched, a lot of those men were being lynched, not only because they were black, but they were black men who had the audacity to be wearing their military uniforms. So you'll see a lot of pictures historically of black men in their, their military uniforms, strangled, shot, killed, mm-hmm. drowned for walking around like you one of us. Mm-hmm. Like, you ain't no American. Mm-hmm. But it was just something about endearing about Big Joe that you're always going to remember about that character is that's a black man who was proud of his service. Mm-hmm. He's proud of the little patch of land that he has that he owns. And he going to wear, it don't matter, his belly might be poking out a little bit, but he going to wear his uniform as tight as it might be, Jack. <laughs> he going to wear that and have some pride. And so mm-hmm. those are little touches that you have that make those characters memorable mm-hmm. and that gives and them you see, character. And when we go into his bedroom, it's on his wall yes. like a shrine. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. And that sets up his character. Mm-hmm. I always tell writers, if they're going into your character's house or your bedroom, whatever, what is the thing in the room right. that shows them? Right. You know? Right. I already established how important the, the, the uniform was. Some. Right. So when I walked in the room, I'm like, it can't just be hanging up in a closet. Right. He's got to put it on the wall okay. for everyone to see. Right. You know what I mean? Right. That was, and that shows you a lot about who he is and right. how he's willing to die for that. Right. Thing. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. It's like that, that kind of a character building. Like one of the processes I'm dealing with now is the script. Thank God I finally got a first draft done. Oh my <laughs> God, Jesus. Um, it's my, the one I was talking about a couple of weeks ago, my um, Appalachian Trail mm-hmm. thriller slasher movie is. Oh, you finally got a first draft. Huh? <sighs> oh my God. It's so fucking brutal. <laughs> It was only brutal because I was going back to work and, you know, as everybody knows, I run an outdoor science school. So it was like trying to write a couple other projects on the mm-hmm. same, just kind of like the same thing as you, yeah, just yeah. that back to back and trying to hone it in. It's trying to develop characters that, like you said, those small touches. I have two lead female characters who have been best friends for a long time and they're this kind of different type of character where you have a a lot of people don't know that black people we do hike (laughs) we go to music festivals like burning man and joshua tree hello Mm -hmm. and um you know we we go to appalachian do the pct trail (laughs) we go out there you know we go out and do our thing too (laughs) but i had to figure out a way to create my my one black female lead character Mm -hmm. to kind of dispel that when people see her like oh black people hike i mean yes we do Mm -hmm. but to create a way where people knew right off from jump that she's done this for a while. Yes. And some of the she's things... She's an expert or she's something. She's an expert. Right? Yeah. And it's tiny touches like mm-hmm. the stickers on the back of her car. Mm-hmm. Like whenever you see people who do hiking or do crazy... Like if you if you ever hang around me and my friends when we go to Joshua Tree Music Fest or we go hiking and stuff, you can tell those... those we call them the mountain folk. Us mountain folk. You can tell us <laughs> because we either got the busted down looking cars, mm-hmm. but we got a hell of a lot of stickers from all the different places we've been to, oh, okay. festivals. Yeah. Our politics are on our cars, mm-hmm. vegetarianism mm-hmm. or whatever it is our thing is, environment stuff we either have in our, our our stickers in our car and also how we dress mm-hmm. um or how little like you we ain't dress. in no flip-flops but, yeah okay, you look, know trying, yeah. To, trying to hike right right so this sister <laughs> she's not gonna be like she prefer you know she's gonna have that hair braided up ain't yeah, gonna yeah. be she ain't gonna be hiking out there and she's gonna have some it's gonna get wet. Yeah, yeah you know so there's little things that i've i've put in her character so the moment you first see her when i was you know building this character so that you knew from jump this is somebody who does this often mm-hmm. who does it well mm-hmm. and that she's no stranger to being out at festivals with crazy people, white people partying and <laughs> doing their drugs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like she's part of that scene. Okay. So it's like little tiny things you can do without having to write 50,000 pages. Sure, like sure. the little subtle things of building the character. And by doing that and her best friend, 
um, like they have their own little lingo to show that mm. these guys have been friends for a long, long time. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times them, you see characters. That's what I call giving them an ism. Giving them an ism. Yes. You know, like they have a way, like there's a, they're at, there's this, they're at the Joshua Tree Music Festival, that uh, kind of like a Joshua Tree music, before they go on this big hike, before the slasher kill crazy stuff goes on on the, you know, the, the Appalachian Trail when they're out mm-hmm. there in the middle of nowhere and no cell phone service and all the craziness happens. But I wanted to show right away that these people grown up together. They've been to college together. They've been room, they've been homies for a long time. And the way I could do that was when they're interacting with these guys who are trying to hit on them at the festival mm-hmm. was I gave them a little lingo, mm-hmm. a little thing that the isms, a way that they speak mm-hmm. shorthand mm-hmm. that only happens when people have been friends for a long, long time. Yep. So there are little things that you can do with the characters that as soon as you're watching them on the screen or even reading it on the page, mm-hmm. you know, okay, right away. I don't have to say, hey, remember that time we were in college mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. 1998 exactly. and we were roommates? All, on the nose. All the, all the right? nose stuff. Like, you ain't got to do all that shit. Cut that shit out. Mm-hmm. Like, there's little things you can do in the dialogue or just the visual things. Like I said, the stuff I was doing, like their stickers, like they have matching stickers on their cars. Mm-hmm. They've got shit on their passports. And, mm-hmm. like, you know, they just, they're, they've been together for a long time and they, they're both gorgeous women, of course. I have to have gorgeous women. Because, <laughs> you know, one of my characters, I'm writing, I'm writing the script for um, Tiana Paris. Okay. Hmm. Um, she doesn't know it yet. But <laughs> she's, she's like my girlfriend. I, she's like my, my girlfriend in my head. Mm-hmm. Like, if I, if I were not heterosexual, she would be like my girlfriend. <laughs> and I think she's so gorgeous. And I just think that she needs an opportunity to have some really great scripts for mm-hmm. her to be in. Because I just think she's just so talented. And there's the other actress that's in Westworld. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Angela, who I love. She's yes. an Armenian actress, and she's gorgeous. She's one of those those Armenian white people. I don't um, think so. I want to say no. I want to feel like they're people of color. I mean, but in all the characters she plays, she kind of plays yeah. a white person. I would say they're people. So of, I'll say that she's white coded. Yeah. But okay. I love this actress because one, I think she's beautiful, and she was in my friends. Uh, she was in um, Kablooey. She played a character, one of my uh, writing friends from um, when I was in Film Independent Fellowship. Mm-hmm. He actually had a script. It got made into a movie. And What's Your Name from Friends was in it. Oh, God, what is her name? Right. She played Phoebe. What's that actress's name uh, um, that played Phoebe? The blonde, ditzy one. Is it Lisa Kudrow? Yeah, Lisa Kudrow. Yeah. yeah, she was in that. And so this actress, like when I told her, I'm like, oh, my God, I love this actress. I love the way she looks. Mm-hmm. And I, in my script, I think I'm going to make her an Armenian character because I just want her just to be a regular white girl. Yeah. You know, I want her to have some kind of cultural thing mm-hmm. and something that these two could connect to together and just be like really good friends. And, you know, writing for both these characters and trying to build them, you know, very quickly so we can get to the story. Um I think that's just it's just something that as as you start to hone your craft as a writer, you'll get better at it so that you don't have to have on the nose dialogue to try to like convince people these guys mm-hmm. have been friends forever. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you just don't want that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But like I said, when I read your Miles character, the different touches, mm-hmm. um, the way he walks, the way he talks, the way he there's a there's a certain moment of script where he's leaving the black side of town, he's going mm-hmm. to the white side. And it's the subtle thing that he does, which is basically he changes the way his his physical demeanor changes in terms of putting the hat down a little lower. Now on. that's that's that was an interesting moment. I was like, I need a big moment. He is in his element right. on that street. Right. So what happens? He gets to the train track. The train track separates this part of town to that part mm-hmm. of town. In my head. Right. <clears throat> so I'm like, ah, he gets to the train track, takes a beat, puts on his hat, and all of a sudden his shoulders, you right. know, sink. He takes on the... You know what I mean? Yes. He was all up right. at first. Hey, what's up, blah, blah, blah. Right, right. You know, whatever. Right. And all of a sudden he gets quiet. As right. soon as he crosses the track, we kind of pan up, you know, overhead shot. And right. we realize, ah, 
It's the white side. And we didn't have <laughs> you and you mean? didn't have to have any dialogue with characters. Nothing. Make sure you get over there. You <laughs> don't be Nothing. showing out for the white folks. Mm-hmm. It was like the subtle all right. And it's we call that that putting on that second mask so that you're not reckless eyeballing. Because back in those days, like, you know, white people get upset if a black person looks You're not you supposed in your to look eye, him in the eye. Or if you sometimes if you're walking on the same sidewalk, you're supposed mm-hmm. to get off the sidewalk. And you have to like take on a physical demeanor that's mm-hmm. non threatening. Correct. You know, and that's something that I thought that that's that was really good in your script where it's like we see it like, all right, we about to here we go. Mm-hmm. We about to go through this. Uh, might be some. Uh, and this ain't his first time, okay. so I can't act like oh, might, I've never been there. Might be some landmines. I gotta Correct. get prepped to go in there. And mm-hmm. like you said, he's been there before, mm-hmm. so this is not new to him. But for us to understand this world that you've created and the aspect of all the different characters, what they have to do to coexist mm-hmm. with white racism in this time, um, it's those subtle touches I appreciate. Okay, next question. Thank you. All right, are you ready? Mm-hmm. And we can talk about the. Well, we both outline, mm-hmm. okay, before writing. But you said something interesting. You started going off outline. Because the question here is, do you outline before you start writing? Yes. <laughs> Wait, you took like three beats. Well, because I was just thinking about this script and mm-hmm. all. But we did outline, right. and then I started writing. I just went off the outline, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know? And I usually write, try to write out the story first, and then I start, you know. I usually write out the story, do the character breakdowns. Mm-hmm. Do the outline, do the beach, do the outline, then I write the mm-hmm. script. So it's a long process. Right, but right. as you already know, my right. outlines are usually 15, 20, 30 pages long, depending on yeah. <clears throat> what I'm writing. Right. And I am one of those people who's all detailed and whatever. Because right. I like to write it on paper and prose pretty much exactly the way it's supposed to be. Okay. You know what I mean? And so, but it just makes it easier for you to write it. All mm-hmm. you do is fucking copy and paste it in the fucking final draft and start, <laughs> you know what I mean? You already, I, I start texturizing right. it, you know, right. and realizing, oh, well, I don't need to end it there. I can, end right. it there. You know, I can start early, I can end right. it, whatever it is. Right. But for the most part, I try to stay on it. And that's what it, why I usually write so mm-hmm. fast. Because mm-hmm. I spent so much time on that outline. Right. <clears throat> By the time I get to the script... I can write it in a week or two that, because it's so that's so detailed. key. I think that's so important, especially when you're writing for like television. Mm-hmm. You said writing fast. Mm-hmm. That outline is going to help you stay on point, stay focused, so you don't have those moments where oh, where do we go now? And then you spend hours trying to think Correct. of something. It just it just it keeps it moving. I think for me though, writing those beats out, I, I like God bless those people that can like write freely. Unless you've been marinate unless the story's been marinate in my head for like years. Correct. Like I still have to I still have to have those beats because mm-hmm. I need to have at least something where you're going to right, right. You know, you see the midpoint. You see the right. you know what I mean? As long as you see those moments. I mean I at least see those. Like I told you I have the outline so I know where it's supposed to go in my head. Mm-hmm. The journey there is driving me a different way. I still kinda in where I said I was going, right. that's not the way I'm going. Though. Right, right. You know what I mean? But I know where I'm going. That's right. the key. Right. I know I know how the movie ends. I see all that. I just have to drive myself to that. Right. It's almost like working yourself backwards right. to some way. Right. Um, which I have done because mm-hmm. I'm. If you look at my my script where I'm right now, I mean I've already written scenes in different places mm-hmm. because I wanted to write that scene right now. Right. You know what right. I mean? So yeah, it's burning a hole in your pocket. I got to get mm-hmm. it out there. Yeah, it's like me. I do tend to write my outlines backwards. Like I have to know. Like that's just I just that's that's just for me. I mm-hmm. have to know my ending before I can do anything else. Like once I know the ending, I know exactly. It's like, hey, I'm going to take a trip to Los Angeles, <laughs> and I know I have to get to Los Angeles. 
you know, and I'll just kind of meander my way there. But I have to know I got to get to Los Angeles. It just it just helps me stay focused. And like I said, pressure helps me a lot of times too. But it really helps to have an outline. God bless those of you who can pants it. That's what they call it. Yeah. Where you just kind of go I out mean, there and write it. There are, and we we've both done it. We've done outlines where we or we've done we've written scripts where all we did was beat it. Mm-hmm. You know, beat the do the beat sheet. Mm-hmm. But even that beat sheet is thorough. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's the key. People, I've, I I come across a lot of people like, well, I beat it out and I read the beats. I'm like, okay, these aren't really beats. These aren't really telling us right. anything that's going to keep you moving forward. Right. This is all plot. There's nothing about right. character anywhere. Right. You know what I mean? And I'm a beat queen. Like I mm-hmm. love beats because that's, that's for me, that's my playtime. That's my, I have all these beats then I can play in between, you know, mm-hmm. certain projects where I know, especially when it's like something historical or something like I'm trying to remember, like my Blanco script. And then one of my scripts I did, um, I was writing a script about uh, based on a real person, a pastor who got labeled a heretic in mm-hmm. recent times because he had a he, he used to be he used to be one of those big preachers that had the big mega churches. Mm-hmm. And he had an epiphany one day and he realized that hell doesn't exist. Hell is us on earth and what we make it is in our own mind. Mm-hmm. And his churchgoers could not stand that. Mm-hmm. And so he got thrown out and had to start all over again. Oh, really? And I was so fascinated by the idea of when you have a religious moment, and I'm always fascinated by mega churches anyway. Mm-hmm. And all I knew was I had to write like you know, detailed beats for that script because it was dealing with the history of religion. It was dealing with mega churches. And so the Blanco script in that particular script, literally I had to have detailed, I couldn't just sure. do the beat. I had to have a detailed thing. Mm-hmm. But for most of the other stuff, like my horror scripts and stuff, oh my God, if I have a really good beat sheet, mm-hmm. that that allows me to play. Like, okay, I know this is the plot that's supposed to happen here. Let me start playing around mm-hmm. with it. You know, and, and that, and there's different ways you can do that to free yourself up. But I don't know, you got to, for me, I got to have outline. That's like my tethering. Well, I think what also what also helps me, let's talk about how we write the outlines, okay. though. I mean, like, I literally write my outline as if it was a script without dialogue, mm-hmm. if you think about it that way. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say in exterior Tulsa, Oklahoma, 1921. Ah, they get to Japan. Right. So they're trying to get to higher ground. So it's right. called higher, higher ground. ground. <laughs> you there feel you me? Go. The yes. next one is about blah blah blah. Right. And you just kind of keep doing the same thing, and it makes it really, really. I hate to use the word simple when it comes to screenwriting, but it simplifies right. it for you because you don't forget what your theme is about in that particular sequence. It lessens the work, the work of it. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, and I love that. And the sequence report because you got me onto that too. It was like mm-hmm. I started reading the one book and looking. I was like, yeah, because I read the. The sequence thing, I think you said mm-hmm. the first like 15 pages of it. I was like, okay, I see mm-hmm. where that is. Because literally it's like, and this happens. And literally everything that's in there, like you could go through and just write that script based Correct. on what you have on there. And I'm like, I think for the next script, this one, <laughs> I'm going to try the and sequence I do, approach. And here's the irony. Because it's eight sequences. Mm-hmm. I can, you can do a script. You can do a TV script the exact same way. I know. You just, they're just shorter. You I'm know gonna what I mean? With, I'm going to play with and that. And that's exactly how I write. Because here's the, here's the interesting thing. A lot of the scripts today are seven acts now. Yes. You feel me? Yes. So, so for instance, um, um, like the sequence approach, if you read the book, basically tells you, or if you take it at USC, because USC teaches you the sequence mm-hmm. approach, right? Actually, Pilar teaches the sequence mm-hmm. approach. She just, hers is called something else. Mm-hmm. So, um, in essence, if you take, 
your, um, what was I going to say? Um, what were you just talking about? Why did I go blank on it all of a sudden? I said Suica's approach. I said zombies. No, we were just talking about something. I was about to. What were you just saying before I interrupted you? I don't know. I'm sitting here eating some candy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you said you said new shows now like are seven acts. Correct. Okay. So most shows are seven acts. So if you no more candy, no more candy for Lisa. (laughs) Here's the trick. So if if anybody goes and picks up the sequence approach by Paul Joseph Galerma, I believe that's his name. If you go pick up this particular book. Like I said, this is this is what they teach at USC and probably UCLA. I don't mm-hmm. know it. And if you go and pick up this book, it basically teaches you that every 15 minutes is a new sequence. Mm-hmm. Here's the problem with that. It's 2016. Yeah. Scripts aren't 120 pages anymore. Okay. They're like 95, 107. Get in, <laughs> you get You know out. what I mean? Okay. They're fast. So even if you look at my Tulsa script, which mm-hmm. you read, mm-hmm. my first sequence is like 13 pages. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? My act out is page 24. Mm-hmm. You feel me? Mm-hmm. So instead of page whatever. So I'm trying to show you how you have to be faster. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you, see, you notice in my script is my trick. One thing I hate to do, and I know we're jumping all off the no, no, sorry. Go ahead. One thing I hate is to read a script and go, where the fuck is the end of act one? You know how you know when it's the end of act one in my, my water script? Bottle. I'm going to drink some water. I started laughing in the middle of that. You know how it's the end of I go dissolve to. Mm. It's the only time I use it. Mm-hmm. I don't use cut to. Mm-hmm. I don't use anything in the entire script. But I use the dissolve, dissolve to every about 10 pages, wow. don't I? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I'm letting you know. This is the end mm-hmm. of the sequence, and it's usually a big moment. Yep. And then I slow it down again. Right. And we transition you know I mean? to something else. And it all yes. goes and builds and builds and builds to another big moment, and then it slows. You're down really good at your transitions. You're really good at your transitions, by the way. Like I've you been ever working read, on. Have you if you read his scripts when you transition, it's like oh, it's like sipping a cool glass of water. Like here we go. It's, it's nice. thought out, mm-hmm. and that's what I'm. I was just telling this writer the other day. I'm like, don't just cut to a scene. End it on an action and start back, back on, on an action. action. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. If you end on somebody in tears, start on somebody's eyes looking at something. Right. You know what I mean? Right. You find a way to transition. And you don't have to do it every scene. Right. But right. on a big moment, find a reason to use it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. that's what I'm constantly doing is trying to find ways to go from somebody opening a door to closing a door. Right. From somebody running to somebody walking. Right. From some, you know, from a bus moving to a motorcycle going out. Right. right. Whatever it is. The smooth transition that would keep your eyes going. What's your favorite word? Down, Down bitch. There. Okay. Okay. <laughs> right? Yes. Down the page. Yes. You know, and My use those slug lines yes. accordingly. And then what comes next in turn, like to keep Correct. those page turner, because that, oh God, it just makes such good effective writing. Yeah, and you have to think about, you and I always talk about the one through five. Yes. You have to think about what's, I mean... I very rarely have at the bottom of my page just a random line or a rant. It always ends on something yes. that makes you want to change. I spend time on that mm-hmm. because I know that if I leave you on a button, even at, in the middle of dialogue, right. you're curious to turn the fucking page. Right. You're not just going to stop and be like, well, they're just talking right. about whatever. Right. No, bitch, I'm kidding you. Look, you know what I mean? You got, you, even with, you know, when I read Slush for Apex mm-hmm. Magazine or I'm reading other stuff for, um, 
you know, other forms of writing, it, the rules still apply the same. Turning the page, mm-hmm. structuring in a way where you're focusing and making people want to know, you know, what's going to happen next. Like that, you really have to craft that, people, because mm-hmm. it's like the, the name of the game is getting red. What's the name of the game, children? It is Get getting red. red. If you're not getting red, ain't nothing else happening. Because if people don't want to read your shit, you got people to craft it. People don't spend enough time, in my opinion. And sometimes I wonder, do I hinder myself sometimes by it in the sense that I spend so much time trying to get it right on so that it all ends perfectly at the bottom of this page. Mm-hmm. I'll spend the time mm-hmm. cutting some really good lines right. to make it work at the bottom of right. the page. Right. But that button is stronger than that line. Was. Yes. You see what I mean? Yes. And that's what you have to figure out. Right. If you can get to the point to where at the end of the sequence, bam, it's at the bottom of the page and it go, you know, whatever it is mm-hmm. for you, mm-hmm. it makes sense. And the re- I'm also giving the reader, and you and I have read for so many other mm-hmm. production companies. I want the reader to be able to go, great, I got to page 29, for mm-hmm. instance. Right. I can stop here. Right. I can go have some coffee, come back, and whatever, whatever it is, instead of being like, I don't even know where the end of fucking act break is. <laughs> you know what I mean? I want them to be like, Wait, I you, got it. Make me want to stab myself. Like, what? Exactly. Where? I'm taking you on the ride right. to make it easier for you to read right. and easy for everybody else to get. So the lesson for that, children, is if I have to sit there and read your script, and I'm trying to figure out, so where, okay... How many times have you read a script and you were like, where the fuck is the act break? Yeah, or what's it. like, or like, what's the, what's the plot now? Like, what? Mm-hmm. So Where's the inciting what, incident? What's the, well, what's the incident? Like, what is it? <laughs> exactly. What's the whole point of this whole thing? Like, what, what are we doing? You know, like, what's, right. and it's like, <laughs> oh man, back in the old days, man, when you, you get to page 60, 75 and inciting incident ain't happened yet and you're just like, Lord, <laughs> who did this? Like, why? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's, you, you have to take the time. To write and write and be better and be better and be better and be better. And I don't think people take the time to do that. They don't, and they don't read enough. You know, like you said, you read, you read my script and was like, oh, I could take this patch or I could take this line. I do the same fucking thing. Mm-hmm. Trust me. <laughs> I read. Look, when I read the, when, I, when I go through, like when they have the mm-hmm. AFI or the top 100 mm-hmm. scripts and I go through all my, all my folders that have all the great scripts, I am highlighting the best. Look, mm-hmm. the name of the game is steal from the great ones yes. and make your shit even better mm-hmm. because there's nothing wrong with you taking something that has worked before that is brilliant and Correct. applying it to your own you're work. Just taking passages. Yeah. Taking little just, moments and you're spinning it in yeah, your own way. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take I'll take something out of a script and be like like for instance I was reading um blue blue oh, what the fuck is it called blue the um want the car blue. no um oh, why is it off the top of my head the um who's in it um uh, Queen Latifah the 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 best Bessie Bessie Smith movie Bessie. Well, it used to be called the 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 script is called something else. Oh, okay, yeah. Blue Goose Hollow or some shit like that. Oh, okay, right? I just knew it as Bessie. <clears throat> and um, Bessie. but there's, I mean, fucking, she wrote the hell out of the script. And there's just some beautiful passages in there mm-hmm. that I would take into my script, but I would keep some moments, but change it so it sounded more me. Oh well, yeah, definitely. you know what I mean. So you can find ways to right. do that. And that is giving homage. That mm-hmm. is like I love how you described that little piece. I'm gonna use that, but make it mine. Right. That's homage in my opinion. Right, right. It is. You know? It's 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 when good writing. It's just like, I mean, who wouldn't? Mm-hmm. Whether what whatever craft or whatever job you have, whether you're a great baker or a great cook or a great whatever it is that you're doing, or race car driver, you mm-hmm. see something that works for somebody, like, oh, I should try that. That might mm-hmm. work for me. You do it. Mm-hmm. You know, we do it in music. We do it. You know, you got to find. You got to read people. <laughs> yeah. It's like I was I was explaining somebody. I was talking to Chris Derrick about this. <clears throat> I'm the type of person. 
I actually, when I read a script, I'm more interested in the actions than I am in the dialogue. Mm-hmm. That's just my thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, I, you read Tarantino for the dialogue. You read Billy Ray for the actions. Right. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? Right. You want to learn how to fucking read or write some fucking incredible actions, check out a Billy Ray script. Yep. Look at a David Ayer. Yep. You know, look at how these motherfuckers pop. Yes. The, you were just like, how can I get that good? <laughs> When I did that you know Oblaco I mean? script a while ago, like David Aaron and all of them were the ones I mm-hmm. was I was reading. Like when you have a lot of great action, you have a lot because you know gangster murder and all that mm-hmm. stuff, and you got to have that stuff move. Like I remember, I was just reading a ton of those scripts, mm-hmm. trying to get a feel for how can I make my own script move in that way. I couldn't write a script where it's like, oh, lackadaisical and all. No, this shit has to move. Yeah. So I had to go to the masters of that mm-hmm. and read those so that I could take it on myself in my own writing. Like, all right, this is and and put your own stamp on Correct. it for your own writer's voice. So and you'll you see to. in every single one of them, <clears throat> they write these amazing actions these amazing scenes that happen with whether it be a gunfight or whatever it's mm-hmm. not just a gunfight right what happens during the fight yes <laughs> you know what i mean yes that's they spent time developing going it's about this character going through this whole cycle they're not just coming into town killing everybody mm-hmm. they're coming into town killing everybody and this happens in the end right <laughs> you know right. what i mean right. what did they learn what through did they it? learn you know what i mean all right let me give you one more question <laughs> okay Ah, there's so many good ones on here. Um, we got time for two or three more. Two TV shows that have inspired you and why. Wow. Okay, number one, you're going to laugh at this one. All in the Family. Oh, why? That's interesting. Number one TV show in my life. Really? Number one. <clears throat> probably it's about, chi- it's about my childhood for one. Like mm-hmm. it's the one I remember more than probably anything. Mm-hmm. It was the most controversial show probably ever at its time, mm-hmm. probably even still now, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. It was so ahead of the game, um, the writing. And it was one of the first shows that I remember where they, they brought in drama and comedy at mm. the same time. Yes. Right? Yes. It crossed the line. Oh, it didn't cross the line. It, it, it intertwined, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And then I don't think there's any other shows that did that ever before that. It was you were either a comedy or you were something else. Wow. You know? Wow. And, and so for me, that show in particular, and then you can tell me yours and then okay. I'll tell you myself. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, Twilight Zone. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to say a toss-up. Uh, it's Twilight Zone slash uh, Outer Limits, but Twilight Zone in particular is because, one, I'm a huge fan of Rod Serling, mm-hmm. and mainly because of his personal life, like going through you know, the war. Um, he had like this idealism about what America... I mean, it doesn't sound like it with the supernatural and all the crazy stuff in the show, but he had mm-hmm. this idealism about America and a sense of moral responsibility of what this country could be. Yeah, definitely. And he, he masked that in the Twilight Zone hmm. uh, with using the fantastic to really talk about a lot of the dramatic stuff that's really happening in America during mm-hmm. that time period. So, yeah, this is a show about, you know, one of my favorite, uh, Lauren, who's going to be here. Yay, mm-hmm. Lauren! When they get here in December, we were talking, she had put a tweet out like, what are your, your favorite, like, Twilight Zone, your top three Twilight Zone episodes? And I said, to serve man, um, 
time enough at last mm-hmm. when what's his name broke his glasses when he had time to read all those books. <laughs> yes. That was my nightmare as a child. <laughs> and uh, I think the other one was, uh, was it Nightmare 20,000 Feet with William uh, Shatner yeah, yeah, and, and the, the Gremlin and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. But there was something about, you can tell when Rod Sterling wrote his episodes because they, they either had something to do with war mm-hmm. or it had something to do with the aliens coming through and how we interact with people. So he used the fantastic, whether mm-hmm. it's horror, sci-fi, um, fantastical elements mm-hmm. To really discuss issues about race, about war, about what it means as America, as a superpower, what our moral obligation is to the rest of the world. And it was and, always psychological. And it was always like, yeah. Right. And it's like, that's why he always talked at the beginning. Like, people mm-hmm. are always like, why does he talk? Like, he is trying to give y'all a message. Mm-hmm. And he hopes that he takes that, that you take that And message. he sets the tone. He sets the tone. Yes. With that cigarette. Definitely. And that Brill cream, that mm-hmm. perfectly hair. Oh, yes. my God. He's got that gray Jewish hair that's just gorgeous. That curly, <laughs> oh, yeah, beautiful. He was, he was just, mm-hmm. he was fine back in the day. Okay, he was fine. And uh, I, I thought it was a great, I had a great joy of meeting his daughter mm. a couple of years ago at one of the, um, the comic book festivals I went to. And just how much, um, how serious he took his work in writing, even though he was writing fantastic, because he mm-hmm. felt that the fantastic was important to get things through to people who probably would not listen. Mm-hmm. And that stuck with me for the rest of my life mm-hmm. in terms of why I like sci-fi, why I like horror, and why I think they can they can be really subversive in getting messages mm-hmm. out to people. And um I, so he was the first person, if you think about it, and maybe I might be wrong, he's the first person that I remember who did that type of show right. Everybody else was either over the top or danger real right. Right, right, you know what I mean? right, right. It was always that way. Right. He was like, No, let's take it for real. Yes. What if this should happen? Right. Right. Let's imagine that dream you have right. and let's shoot that. Right. <laughs> you, right. Know I mean? you know, and it was just, I don't know, it's just such great TV. It was one of those ones where my mother would call me in. It's when I, it was either the Godzilla Festivals, Monster Fest, the Kung Fu Fest, or it was the Twilight Zone. And I just mm. remember that was one of those shows. And I can always remember it was a big deal because my mother would make chocolate pudding. I knew it was a good show. <laughs> and it stuck with me because she would make chocolate pudding <laughs> for that show is. So it was either the Brady Bunch uh-huh. or the Godzilla movies or the Kung Fu movies. But I just remember the Twilight Zone, Outer Limits, and also Rod Serling's Night Gallery was another classic okay. that I loved. Um, although he did have some problems with the producers of that because he couldn't make it the show the way he made his own show, mm-hmm. Twilight Zone, because he had to do it from the producer. So that's why the if you ever watch the... Um, yeah, they the were night gallery. To be it, but if it you wasn't if you yeah that. if you write if you watch the night gallery, it's a very uneven. I think there's only three. I think I own all three seasons. It's a very uneven show. Mm-hmm. The good episodes are the ones that Rod Serling had a hand on. Mm-hmm. The bad episodes, when they tried to do the comedy and all that kind of funny duddy mm-hmm. stuff, that was the other producer guy, and it, it didn't work as well. In my opinion, it didn't work as well. <laughs> but there's just something about Twilight Zone, and even to this day. That show was hella old. <laughs> People still watch the marathons. Mm-hmm. I still get lessons. Mm-hmm. And, and you can still watch the same show years later and get something totally and, different yes. as an adult. Yes. You know, it's just a fucking good yes. show. Okay, what's your other show? Um, you're going to laugh at this one. I'm not, why are you saying I'm going to laugh? I'm not going to laugh. Because... You knowing the things that I write, you wouldn't expect me to say this show. Oh, some people wouldn't expect a lot of shit from me <laughs> in my personal life that I like that would be shocking to but, them. But it's personal. Mm-hmm. That's why. Different strokes. Now... Here's why. You're no, lie. you meant Different Strokes, the TV the show. The TV show. Oh, I thought you meant like Different Strokes for people to oh, have no. their idea. But you literally meant the show Different Strokes. Different Strokes, oh, no, the TV show. show. Too. But look, As a kid. You got to remember, I started acting when I was 12 years old. I think what Different Strokes come out in what, 82 or whatever the fuck. Mm-hmm. So when I was about that age. So Gary Coleman was the first time I remember seeing somebody like me. Little blackhead, yeah. 
So it was possible mm-hmm. that I could do that. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So I had that dream of wanting to be an actor mm-hmm. because of him. Wow. You feel me? Yeah. Because of seeing, oh my God, because of seeing somebody on the screen. Representation. Like you. Yes. So that, it's not that it was the best show ever. Right. It was that he had the dream I wanted. And it came through. And yeah. it came through. And, you know, um, his brother Willis. You know, right. All that. Right. So it had, both of them were both, they were both there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And he was on the cover of TV Guide and like yes. all these, he had these commercials. It was like one thing after another. He had all the things I wanted. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's. And no, it's a visual representation of what is possible. Yes. That's funny. Do you remember the days when. Because he. The first time we ever saw. This, you can see how old we is back mm-hmm. in the day. Um, the first time we saw Gary Coleman was on Good Times. Yeah, that's right. He did and then little... he was on Jeffersons. Then he, mm-hmm. I thought he appeared on on the Family maybe one time, but he was like on the Jeffersons. And I remember the rumor that was going around that he was a midget. Like no yeah, one yeah. could believe because he was so his timing and it how he delivered. Was he was too, too good. good. Yes. So I remember there was a rumor as a yeah. kid. We were all saying he's not really a kid. They're mm-hmm. saying he's a midget. He's a little person, <laughs> you know. Until you found out and they started doing the interviews and you got the show and you figured out, oh, he really is a real person. But I remember that was the rumor that was going around back in the day. He's not a little kid. Mm-hmm. You you know, and he was such a smart aleck thing, and he was like the he was like the male version of um, what's her name on uh, That's My Mama. Oh, uh, yeah, Danielle yeah, Spencer's yeah. character. Uh-huh. The, um, um, she, she she not Shelly. What's her name? What they call her? Oh God, it was you know Roger Roger uh, and his sister Sharon. No, um, what do they call his sister? Oh, the sister. You know, I was thinking about I was thinking about the. Um, the actress's name was Danielle Spencer, but her yeah. character's name was, come on, help me out, y'all. Oh, my God. What was Raj's sister? What was her name? Oh, I could see it. Anyway, she... Uh, I was thinking about the, the, the waitress. That's oh, that's oh, no, about Shirley. Yeah. Shirley, that's what yeah, I Yeah, no, she, his sister, she was like the smart aleck little black <clears throat> kid, you know? So mm-hmm. she was like, he was like the male version of her. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. That's so funny. That's so cute, too. Oh, classic TV. Well, for yeah. me, the other TV show is X-Files. Okay. Because X-Files is really an homage to another classic that doesn't quite hold up so well, but it did have a huge impact on me, which was um, Kolchak, the, um, oh God, it was Kolchak, the Night Stalker series with Gavin, is it Gavin McLeod? Oh, yeah, Basically, uh-huh. he's a reporter, and because the very first car I got ever in my life at 19 was a 65 Mustang. And I got that car because Gavin McLeod had that on Kolchak, the Night Stalker, Mm -hmm. because he drove around in that cute little Mustang and he had the cute little hat. I remember when I was like 20, I found the same exact little hat that he had. I used to support this little like, it's not like a pork pie hat, but it was like this little hat. Mm -hmm. And it was funny because my mom was like, why did you have to get a Mustang? Or why did you get the hat thing at that time? And I didn't realize that it was because I love that TV show so much Mm -hmm. that... <clears throat> Subconsciously, I decided I'm going to get this car. I'm going to get that, this. That's thing. my mama. What was that show? It was. Uh, Were we running all of them? Yeah, yeah. It was. was uh, it? Th- oh God, what was it? Did I say Three's Company? No, it was. Um, God dang it! What? I can't remember. <laughs> the hell that is. Old now, like what the fuck was that show called? That is pitiful. Da, we can't da, remember. Da, 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 da. What's happening? Okay, I'm like tripping. I'm looking at that's my mama. What's, like, what's, that's my mom was a great show too. But yeah, but for me, X Files was. Awesome. Because like I said, it was an homage to that old school Kolchak. Mm-hmm. But I liked it because it was the type of TV show that I, if I was to make a TV show, that's the type of TV show I want to make. Okay. But I would keep it dark. I wouldn't focus in on all the f- humorous parts they wanted to do. And I love that show because... It's the, the 
deep. Dang, we should have knew that. Okay, especially her name being Danielle Spencer exactly. and D. But no, what I loved about that show also was because um, Scully was such a huge... Mm-hmm. I mean, she was such a change okay, from... Okay, with that accent on the fall. Oh, God. First of all, it was a woman who was a partner mm-hmm. and how they switched up the usual gender relations. Mm-hmm. Like, she was the rational, um, take charge, very serious, mm-hmm. and where he was the more emotional, more um, using his intuition and his mm-hmm. gut feeling. Mm-hmm. So they reversed those kind of stereotypical uh, gender roles that women and men usually play. Sure. And she was smart as he was. Uh, she was his equal, if not better than he was. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I used to be so mad when you watched the first couple of seasons where they would have her walk behind him. Because <laughs> they were really trying to put David Duchovny mm-hmm. as the star. But what really made that show was the both of them together and their relationship together. Sure. And that had a huge impact on me in terms of how I wanted to see women characters on TV. Mm-hmm. And also dealing with the supernatural, the dark supernatural and mm-hmm. crazy and that kind of stuff. So hopefully if my TV show gets off the ground based on my book, that my book should be coming out one of these days. <laughs> As soon as I get uh, another good rewrite pass on it <laughs> and get this book package together, um, I really want to see a TV show like that, but based on um, supernatural stuff that I'm interested in, which is. Are I think they're both on the new one? Uh, yes, they both are on the new one, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of good. They had like two good episodes. Yeah. The rest of them were kind of, eh, but you know, it's been, they'll, they'll get their rhythm back. But <clears throat> I really miss those type of shows where dark, supernatural, but I want to see some new supernatural characters. I think mm-hmm. one of the problems I see with a lot of, like, X-Files did this too. They relied on a lot of old-timey characters that we've already heard about. Mm-hmm. Um, even the new shows, like Supernatural, or, mm-hmm. you know, in the new shows, they're still relying on old tropes, vampires, and, mm-hmm. you know. And if I'm going to use those, I want to subvert them. But I think X-Files and definitely Twilight Zone were those two shows that that made me want to, one, write fantastical, weird, crazy stuff that I like, but at the same time, able to to write it smart and mm-hmm. intelligent and have it resonate years later. Sure. You know, because even okay. now X-Files has a huge impact and even now Twilight Zone. Right. Let's do yeah. one more. One more? Okay, last one. <clears throat> what do you wish you'd known then that mm. you know now? Damn. What do you wish? That's kind of a hard one. Okay, then I'll pick For me. one. No, no, no. <laughs> Let me explain. Let me explain. Because the things that I know now... I'm wondering, at least off the top of my head as I'm thinking, it's like, does it apply? Because when you and I first started 15, 20 years ago, we didn't have the things that the kids have today. Oh, my God. You didn't have the access. Nope. Nope. So that's why I'm trying to figure out how do you answer that question when we didn't have what they have now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Except for the knowledge that I know, like how to write better and all that shit like that and how to get in and get out and character and structure and all those things that I understand. Right. Except for knowing those things, I mean, I just wish that I would have written some scripts 15 years ago. Yeah, but this is one thing you I know, like say. I wrote my training day before that one. Right, so you know right, what I mean? right. This is like, like for example. Go ahead. Go I would, ahead. I would think the only thing I can think of for me is that the if I what I know now, what is what do you wish you'd known then that you know now is that the most professional writers, like, the people who got agents and stuff, mm-hmm. sometimes their shit is shitty. That's Had I known that That's back then, yes. do you know how much more I would have written? Mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time doing research and doing stuff and mm-hmm. trying to prep. And I'm, I'm, That's the nerd in me. Like sure. I prep before I do it. 
had I had that information, like mm-hmm. if I can go back in time now <laughs> and sit down and see little Lisa in front of mm-hmm. her computer right there, right there in Lamert Park, mm-hmm. in my apartment above the garage, looking out the window <laughs> with, with Big Mike and them doing the drugs outside mm-hmm. and yelling by, like, shut up, I'm trying to write up in here, bitches. You know, <laughs> I know that those people who are considered the experts who are already have agents, who are already professional, have stuff produced, that sometimes their shit too is shitty. Yes. It's shitty. Had I known that, do you know how freeing that would have been? It that it's. I wish if I can tell. I'm telling you, babies, right now who's starting off. (laughs) Some of the people that you think are the ballinest writers, some of the people who already have agents that are going around, and I thank God, thank God for. um, uh, Who was it? The producer. She produced. She was in my um, Cosby class. Um, oh my God, why is her name escaping me? Anyway, I, I thank her because she was working for a production company. And like I said, I tell people the story of time. Ask people. You have to. She was working at a production company. And this is what I said. Can I just read scripts for y'all for free? Because mm-hmm. I wanted to get access to scripts mm-hmm. that professional writers were sending to, that were getting optioned, mm-hmm. that people were considering making as films. Mm-hmm. Just so Spending fucking, millions of dollars yes, on them. Yes. So I could fucking see. Yes. I remember the oh, it was the BMI office. I said, go down there. I'm like, can I please? Just can <laughs> and I'm going to go get a stack of scripts from her. And she's all right. Just have them back by you know a couple mm-hmm. days, whatever. And the typos, mm-hmm. the bad plot, the plot structures were awful. <laughs> just bad stories. Mm-hmm. Not knowing what, what what is this script about? Mm-hmm. And I'm looking like this person is being represented mm-hmm. by a big name company. Mm-hmm. What the fuck, child? I'm just trying to let y'all know right now. Write your shit, because some of these pros, they not their shit isn't as good as you think it is. Correct. And and even if it isn't. At least they had the access to, to work on it and make it better. But a lot of these scripts are getting through that I would never have passed mm-hmm. up by professionals. Mm-hmm. When I read those scripts, and I was like, dang. <laughs> so I would say, write your shit. Write your shit. You have time for one more. Here's okay, the last thing. On. Here's one. Last one. And finally. Have fun. One surprising non-writing related fact about you. Non-related fact. So nothing to do with writing, but okay. a, a fact about you. Hmm. Surprising. Surpri- well, so not boring. Yeah. Um, well, everybody knows I ride scooters. Everybody knows like vintage cars. Not everybody knows that. Okay, he's got an old. You know what he's got? He got okay, a Starsky. Uh, he one. got a Starsky and Hutch <laughs> car, y'all. <laughs> For the people who don't know, you know, I grew up in the whole, you know, early '80s, mid '80s mod scene. You know, the punk rock skinhead yes. scene. So I used. There was a time when I dressed full on reggae skinhead for. Years. You used to be fighting too, wasn't you? Oh God. <laughs> okay, thank God I did Taekwondo for nine years. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um so a lot of people don't know that about me. Mm. You know, my favorite music is ska music and yes. reggae. You know. So I grew up in that whole <clears throat> era. Which is why movies like Moonlight and um um what's the one? Why am I going blank on it? The kid in LA with the glasses. It just came out like last year. We were raving about it. Um, oh, you mean, oh. Uh, uh, and Watts. <sighs> he lived in his neighborhood. He ended up getting caught up with the drugs and all that shit like that. He was like a total nerdy one to play in the band. Was it? No, I'm looking at it. It is it's, uh, it's a term word. we use for hip hop. Yes. Juice, not juice. Uh, Damn it. Dope, 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 dope. Duh. But why, Duh. why movies like that move me? Because I was him. Yep. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. He was riding on a bike and skateboards. I was riding scooters. <laughs> you know what I mean? Man. I was dressing crazy, weird haircuts, fucking eyeliner, fucking black nails. I mean, I was all That's that shit. Funny. You know what I mean? So in the fucking hood and fucking blood neighborhood too. So it was a trip growing up in that type of a place, but being that one dude. You know, and it eventually became six of us. You know mm. what I mean? So, um, you know, I started the original, you know, Palo Alto Rude Boys. What? You know what I mean? Yeah. Let me go look y'all up because somebody got some stuff on here on it you guys. It might be. I know, I know we're on Facebook. I know there's <laughs> lots of lots of stuff on us on Facebook. I don't know if there's anything. I mean, we didn't become like franchise and had a website or nothing back then. But, Ooh, y'all was probably you know. some big time. Yeah, they wow. kept it going for a while after I was gone. Um, but they started, they became more like a dance crew than it did. You know, us dressing in suits and riding okay. scooters and shit like that later on. But um, so that's something people don't know. What, what about you? Um, I'm going to say it, but I was like, I'm hoping it comes true one day. <laughs> um, I want to do. Um, Come a little closer. I'm really into Shiburi, uh, Japanese Shiburi rope bondage. Really? Um, what the fuck is that? It's like, the Japanese. The no, no, no. It's a Japanese. It's a technique of of tying people with rope that's really beautiful. Hmm. And what I want to do is, I would like to do um, a whole book because if you look up shibori and all the, or you look up Japanese rope bondage, mm-hmm. um, a lot of stuff that comes up, you'll see like a lot of really crazy porn sites and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But as an art itself, it's really beautiful. Okay. And but most of the pictures that come up, they don't have. You know, they have some Asian women, of course, from Japan, different places, or white women. I would like to do a book. A photo book of black women with the Japanese rope oh, okay, cool. yeah. the artistic really classy you know I've seen a couple of pictures that I've snatched on but that's just something that I really like I love rope bondage and mm-hmm. I love how it looks as an art form and there's been some great books that I've found that are really stunning but some of the most beautiful things I've seen the few pictures that I have found is when I've seen black women with the rope and I know for some people people have like the images of like slavery yeah, and stuff. Because your mind goes there. But the ropes are different colors, though. They're but yeah, not you just... can use different colors, yeah. different sizes, and the, and the stylistic how they're tied. And this is like the Japanese form. This ain't mm-hmm. talking about no white slavery. Yeah, we ain't talking about weight, loose. You know, <laughs> and all that stuff. You know, although people do play with that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. it's something that, like one of my characters in my book and this, the, the TV pilot that I wrote, mm-hmm. um, she uses that. Um, she she practices that type of rope bondage with her boyfriend, and it, it's for a particular reason. Mm-hmm. But I've always found the art form just gorgeous. And um, stylistically, I would just love to find – I've been looking at different photographers. I would like to get a photographer and put out – I don't know if I want to do a, kick, a Kickstarter for it or mm-hmm. something – um, but I really like to put out a book, like maybe a nice coffee table book of like maybe like 150 pages of just really gorgeous Japanese rope bondage photos with black women, mm. you know. Sounds so, different. So, yeah. That's so that's like one thing people don't know about me. That's interesting. You know, so it's yeah. like the darker side of Lisa and the worlds I go <laughs> to. Okay. Look, if Tell them what if, I am. Like, look, if only y'all knew some of the stuff I was into. But no, that's that's just like something Everybody that's... Everybody got a freaking okay, side. Look. Okay, I am the biggest prude, but I'm not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> look. Uh, woo, I'm like, like when people seem like, oh, she's so funny, geeking stuff. There is a dark, freaky side to me, and I'm not. A sh- you know what? I used to be so. Though, honestly, when I was younger, I used to be so embarrassed about that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh my god, people are gonna think, especially when you're a black woman, mm-hmm. and there's certain things that things that black people that we do to hold each other down because we don't think we should be doing something, or we think it belongs to either white culture or different cultures and not us. But I love like rope 
artistry and how okay. the tie, how they, I mean, if you look up some really good ones, don't try to ignore all those skanky ones. But it's <laughs> okay. like, don't try this at home, people. <laughs> yeah, but it's just something about, because black women, um, we come in so many skin tones and hair. It's like there's something beautiful I would like to see with the artistic side. Because of I'm that. picturing the ropes, different color, I'm picturing the lighting oh, and the God, backdrop. Yes. You know what I mean? So and there's different ways. You can get tied like total bonded, or you can have it where you're hanging suspended from mm-hmm. the air. Different, you just, can get some contortionists. You just, can do all just, kinds of stuff. It's all kinds of amazing yeah. things. And so it's something I, I really want to explore. Um, I mean, I, if I could be a photographer myself, I would just do it myself. But I think I just want to get someone who can photograph. And this is very important. Someone you who can, can photograph. Woman, I can get Bonnie to come over here and do the photos. <sighs> you just get yeah. a bunch of different, like, black women mm-hmm. who just different ways they look and just come up with this beautiful, artistic, you know. And like I said, it's finding somebody who can photograph black women. Okay. Not everybody can photograph black skin tones True. and lighting and all that mm-hmm. stuff, too. So now you know something about me and Hilliard. He used to go around mod punking and beating up people. <laughs> and I'm sitting here practicing Japanese rope bondage at home and trying to figure out how I'm going to get my shit untied. <laughs> And I would do, I would photograph myself too. Like, I would love to be photographed. Like, I have no problems with that. I've been photographed before mm. Um, mm. years ago. Mm. I have no problem. <laughs> no, like, one day I decided, like, it was funny because it was, it was based on a dare. Somebody said, Would you go take new photos of yourself? And I said, Sure. And I found a photographer and I did these really fantastic, oh. they were amazing. Mm. And it was just so funny. My boyfriend thought I had gotten for him. <laughs> I didn't. They were for me. And when we broke up, he was like, Can I take? Th-? I was like, No. <laughs> but there was something artistic and fantastic hey come on in artistic and fantastic that i i i loved about it mm. and i always thought now the next level is the japanese rope bondage interesting Don't y'all, miss, that. Wait, y'all wait. missed the japanese rope bondage <laughs> you just talked about <laughs> our next people have come in so yeah, i guess definitely. we can wrap it up we can wrap, we can wrap it up so where are you at least at least you can Jane. find me on bitch flicks you can find me on twitter hiding between the uh pages and Twitterville. Uh, <laughs> look, I'm a big, huge uh, Geek Soul Brother fan and Black Girl. Mm-hmm. You, you know the crew I roll with, so you always find me on uh, Saturday Night Sci-Fi mm-hmm. or when we have all the horror stuff. Um, I'm a Twitter fiend. I'm trying to uh, wean myself. <laughs> I have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you can always find me on there. And um, I'm on Facebook, but not as much. But Twitter's where you can find me. Hit me up. Okay. Find me. That's what's up. Let's talk rope bondage. And I am your host, <laughs> Hilliard Guest. You guys can find me on Twitter at Hilliard Guest because like I'm cool. <laughs> um, you guys can follow the podcast Screenwriters RR on Twitter. Any questions? ScreenwritersRantRoom at gmail.com. Um, big shout out to Dale over there at Action on Film. Um, we, the new book is coming out Christmas. You're on the cover. I'm on the cover. Oh my God. Um, the top 50 indie writers in the world. You know how we do. You know, some people are just cool like that. Um, shut up. And <laughs> I didn't say anything. <laughs> you were I'm thinking just it. sitting here listening to you. They was thinking it though. I can, <laughs> I I can hear them breathing. I was just sitting um, here. And um, please go on iTunes, give us a five star review, follow us on Facebook. God, I do not promote that enough. And um, shit like that. So, you know how we do it on the rant room. On the show, we keep it real. We keep it opinionated. We keep it what, Lisa? 2006. I was about to say 15. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> Even though 216 was kind of trashy. Yeah. <laughs> we keep it what? 2016. 2016. Peace, y'all. Ciao. Let the beast about the cage that light about the dark. Can you build the inferno from the itty bitty spark?
uh-uh, coffee shop hustlers. Rise with the cream, a million on the writer's name, Hollywood dream. Your pen and paper, all that bullets in the gun. Write what you feel, say what you want in the red room. We say what we say, we do what we feel, we gotta keep it real in the red room. All about the crap of screen writing, fill my bottle up with lightning, up in the red room. So look, if you guys are grown, let's go ahead and get in. Mm-hmm. 